Welcome back. We are doing the last chapter of Tichot Avodazara, chapter 12, and it deals with some things that um, are much more technical and that were specifically forbidden by the Torah because they belong to the same kind of things that we described in chapter 11. But these are very specific, these are very technical. This chapter is very practical and will deal, for example, with which part of the hair and of the and of our beards we are allowed to shave and how. It's forbidden to shave the 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 sideburns like they used to do the worshippers of Avodazara and their priests, as it is said in the Torah, you may not takifu means uh, you may not uh, um, surround, but it really means you may not uh, um, uh, cut the surroundings of your head, uh, the, the edges of your head. And this would mean that the person could become liable for each of the two sideburns. Therefore, he who shaves both of his sideburns, each of his two sideburns, even at once, even having been warned only once, he would still be liable for two felonies and would get two sets of markut. So this is the same rule for the one who does only his sideburns, or uh, if, if someone if someone shaves his entire head, and with the entire head he also shaves the sideburns, once he shaves the sideburns, or since he's shaving the sideburns, he'd be hayav. It doesn't matter if the sideburns are the only thing he's shaving or as part of the rest of his head. When are we saying that the person is Hayav Malkut? When the person is the one doing the shaving or with the person who is doing the shaving. But if a person is only the recipient of the shaving, he's only the object of the shaving, but he's not shaving himself, he would not get Malkut. Only the barber would get Malkut. And the Katan, even... Uh, cutting the sideburns of a a child is also forbidden, and uh, and not only forbidden, it's, it's it's part of this felony. The the age here is uh, relevant for the actor, not for the object. So the age is relevant for who the barber is, how old the barber is, not how old the person whose whose uh, sideburns are being shaven. <clears throat> A woman who shaves her sideburns or shaves her entire head, she's petura. By the way, when we say patur, when we say exempt, in Hilchot Shabbat, in Hilchot Shabbat, patur means patur avalasur. In Hilchot Shabbat, Saying exempt means that the person is exempt, although this is forbidden. However, 
everywhere else in the Mishneh Torah other than Shabbat, except where the context requires otherwise, patur does not necessarily mean asur. Patur in most cases, in fact, means mutar. And it's just the word is used is patur, is exempt as opposed to mutar permitted because of the context and because the discussion probably in the Gemara or in the Mishnah revolved around whether a person gets a punishment or not. And Harambam is just summarizing the opinion or the side uh, of the equation which does not get a punishment. And therefore he uses, uh, loyal to, to that Gemara, he uses the word patur. But in this case, uh, obviously, it means mutar. A woman may, is permitted to shave her head and her sideburns. It's not only that she does not get a punishment for it. And why is a woman not obligated to not shave her sideburns? Because the Pasuk says in the same Pasuk, Hachamim learned it this way, you may not shave your sideburns and you may not destroy your beard. So uh, it's for the same person. And given that women do not have a beard, they are not commanded not to, not to destroy their beard. And therefore, they also are not commanded not to shave their sideburns. Therefore, servants, servants, um, when when uh, back in the day when servitude was a thing, a when a, a Jewish person had a non-Jewish servant, that non-Jewish servant in a way was sort of adopted by the family and became Jewish in a way. And the moment they were freed, and invariably at the end, uh, mostly they were freed in Am Israel. Am Israel was always known to be very uh, kind and, and merciful. And uh, so whenever they were freed, they would automatically become Jewish. Now what happens during that time in which the servant is living with the Jewish family, but is not yet freed. So during that time, the servant has the same commandments pretty much as a woman with a couple of exceptions. And this is one of the exceptions. One of the exceptions is the servant also may not like any Jewish man, shave his sideburns or his, um, as we'll see later, or his beard. All the, the negative commandments of the Torah are gender neutral. Both women and men are obligated equally. All negative commandments, except for these uh, three commandments. One is Baltakif, not to shave your sideburns. Second, Baltashid, not to destroy your beard. And thirdly, Balitama Kohen Lametim, that the Kohen cannot become impure, the Kohen cannot go into a cemetery or cannot uh, touch a dead body. So that's only for the male, not for the female. In every positive commandment that depends, is contingent on a certain time. And it's not a constant misva. The women are exempt from a few examples: shofar, which is only Rosh Hashanah; lulav, which is only uh, Sukkot; tefillin, which is only during the day; sisit, which is only during the day. All of those misvot are only an obligation of the men and of the women under the halacha. Chutzmi, um, uh, the exceptions for for that rule are kiddush hayom. Kiddush of Shabbat is a positive commandment. Yet the women is the women are obligated. Vachilat eating matzah is also an obligation of women and men alike. Vachilat pesach eating the korban pesach itself. Ushchitato doing the shachita of korban pesach. The hakhel hakhel is a mitzvah whereby once every seven years 
all the Jewish people would go to Bet Hamikdash to hear the Torah being read by by uh, in a portion of Ha'azinu. The Simha Simha is a korban that they would bring when they came to Bet Hamikdash. That the Nashim also are obligated in all of this, although they are positive commandments that have a set time for them. Uh, pay attention, Haramad did not mention here uh, Birkat Hamazon. When we get to Birkat Hamazon, we'll see. Tumtum veanderoginas, these are two creatures, two genetic, genetic um, uh, abnormalities that uh, presumably were more common back then than they are today. And this is when someone is born with two sets of genital, male and female. This has a name in literature, but it's not very common nowadays. Apparently it was more common back then. Uh, tumtum is uh, like in modern Hebrew, metumtam is someone who is, uh, who is clogged. He doesn't understand that that's what modern Israelis call someone who is stupid, metumtam. But tumtum is someone who is covered. And it means someone whose genitals are totally covered. And we don't know if underneath that uh, skin or that flesh, there is male or female genitals. So these two kinds of creatures are treated by halakha always as being safek, as being uh, not male and not female for all things, but a little bit male, a little bit female for many things. So everywhere we treat them um, just in case they are men and just in case they are women. And they are obligated on everything. They are obligated on all the mitzvot that the men are obligated, in all the mitzvot that the women are obligated. But whenever they transgress something that is only an obligation of men or only an obligation of female, they do not get any punishment for this because we would never be able to prove if they are male or female. Although the woman may shave her her uh, her sideburns, she may not shave a male's sideburns, even of a child. But how much hair should there be left on the sideburn? So Hachamim. Notice how Harambam is saying Hachamim, not the Torah. Hachamim did not give any, any minimum to it. And we heard from the elders, from our elders, that the tradition is, the custom is, not to leave less than 40 hairs. In other words, you, if you shave everything but 40 hairs, you'll be fine. And it's permissible to uh, remove the sideburns with scissors, but because the only thing that's forbidden is the kind of a destruction that is caused by a direct blade against the skin. <clears throat> Until uh, modern times, especially in in uh, in well, not especially, but also in Christianity and in, in Buddhism, uh, the priests, the clergy, always shaves. They are very clean shaven. Uh, and, and this is why the Torah forbade destroying one's, one's, uh, one's uh, beard completely. There is five areas in the 
in the in the in the in the jaw in the in the male jaw the five of which constitute they comprise they constitute the zakan the zakan is comprised of these five areas lion the top jaw the top of the jaw sorry on the right side the top and the bottom jaw that's two on the left side uh, the, the, the top and the bottom jaw on the left side and then the the edge of the beard which is the the under under the lips uh, as you can see here whoever can see the YouTube there is an illustration here which is very helpful to see these things here and if a person were to destroy all those five areas, they'd receive five punishments because each of those five is a discrete area of its own. And if a person were to remove all of that, he would get five malkuyot. And the person is only hayav if this kind of destruction is done through a blade, a blade against the skin. Therefore, if he does this with scissors, this is patur. Again, patur, other than on Shabbat, means patur and mutar. And this is what uh, myself and many others uh, do because of which we shave with a, a, a shaver, a modern shaver. Why? Because we understand, I understand that a shaver, the mechanism of a shaver, is less like a blade and more like a scissors in the sense that there is two elements here causing the cutting with a blade the only thing that causes the cutting is the the tension of the blade against the hair and and pulling it away from the skin and thereby cutting it very very close to the skin uh, whereas with a shaver with a rotary shaver at least you have two metal elements you have the mesh and you have the blade that's rotating and the mesh against the blade the blade uh, pressing the hair against the mesh the mesh is the one that presents some kind of attention to the hair that goes through it so that the blade can then cut it much more like a scissor much less like a blade but the one who is being shaven would not get malkut unless he's helping. But the woman is permitted to destroy her her uh, her beard if she has any any hair any facial hair. If she does have any facial hair, and furthermore, unlike the peot, unlike the sideburns, if she goes ahead and she uh, destroys or she uh, she she shaves. The, the the face of a man she is petura uh, so just to be consistent with what we said before i think that this is the reason why harambam is now using muteret in the sentence and now petura to show you that it's not the same uh, category although patur normally means patura val mutar in here you see that it's not as okay to, for the for a woman to shave herself than to shave a man's face. Uh, in any event, if a woman shaves a man's faith, face, the man still has to deal with the fact that he's forbidden to deal his own face. So even if the woman is not doing anything wrong, 
the man is, and even though he's not getting Malkut, this is a Surbina Torah. So those two areas, on top and on the bottom of the lips, are permitted to be to be uh, to be shaven even with a razor, even with a blade. Um, but even though Haramam says it's not the custom of Am Israel, at least during his time, to completely shave their faces. So back in his time, uh, a Jew would be expected to to have at least a short beard that would be made tidy with scissors. Um, the mustache it was something that, uh, even until very recently, in Middle Eastern countries, it's, uh, it's inappropriate almost to not have a mustache. Removing hair from the rest of the body. Like armpits and, uh, and the private area. This is not forbidden from the Torah, but it's forbidden by Chachamim. And whoever removes hair from those areas uh, may receive the discretionary punishment by a court. When are we saying this? When it's customary in that place that only women remove hair from those areas of the body. Women through antiquity have always removed hair from uh, their body uh, and, and uh, that was something that was considered feminine but where uh, this is uh, this is something that also also men do then if a man goes ahead and shaves any area of their body he will not get makat makat mardut because it's something that uh, is not specific to women. However, in any event, it's permissible for men, uh, regardless of what other people do in that society, and regardless of what area of the body we are talking about, to remove hair with scissors as opposed to with a blade. A woman should not, or ought to not, or is not permitted to wear things that are unique to as male accessories. Like, for example, wearing a male mitznefet is, uh, if you ever see a picture of the Benish High, that's what they used to wear, a turban, which is a, a male, or a male kafia nowadays. Um, Okova, or some sort of male, male uh, um, uh, um, helmet, or to wear an armor, which was also a male kind of accessory, or have a haircut that is like that is like a that is like a, a man, and another version of to uncover her hair like men do. <coughs> Also, the man is uh, forbidden to 
wear things that are unique to women. כגון שילבש בגדי צבעונים וחלי זהב במקום שלבשים אותן הכלים ומשים אותן החלי אל האנשים. Like if he wears, if he wears some kind of a golden jewelry or wears very colorful clothes in places where this is known to be a, a, a female, a female kind of, of, uh, of custom. But all of this depends on the custom of the place. So uh, if back in the day, uh, pants were something that only uh, men would wear, I'm not sure if that still is the case today, at least not in every society. In societies where it is, then obviously it is. So everything is context dependent. It depends on the content. There is nothing intrinsically wrong with wearing colorful clothes other than if this was something that only women did. Uh, if a person, if a man wears female clothes and a, a female wears male clothes, um, they, they get malkut. A man who removes from his hair uh, white hairs, any, anyone, uh, anyone who has white hairs and tries to remove the white hair selectively and not the black hairs from his hair or from his facial hair. Even removing one of them is enough to be Hayav Malkut. Because this is something that women do. And it's not, this is not part of La Salacha that it depends on the place. This is something that Hachamim decreed. It's something that is a female kind of action. It is very relevant for today. Painting the hair, coloring the hair black is forbidden for men. Men may not color their white hair black. Other colors were not mentioned here, so maybe they are permissible, but black is something that Hachamim forbade. Tumtum veanderoginas, the two categories of genetic malformations we mentioned before, gender non-specific, biologically gender non-specific people. Eno otefka isha, velo mengaleach roshoka ish. So they have to be careful of not doing things that are specific to women or specific to men, because we don't know if they are men or women. Megaleah, again, another manuscript says Megaleh, to uncover the hair, uh, which would be another reason for why uh, women cover their hair in Jewish tradition. Uh, tattoos, which the Torah forbade, are when a person creates some kind of a vacuum inside the skin and then fills that vacuum with by cutting or by any other kind of mutilation, mutilation and then fills that with ink or other things that, uh, that leave a lasting color. And this was the custom of the Goim that they would do in order to rise themselves up, to dedicate themselves to Avodah they would tattoo the name of the Avodah on their skin. And, and you see this today. Again, uh, like we said last chapter, a couple of things. First of all, all of this has to do with Avodah Even the transgender, um, the transgender acts that we just mentioned before are an aspect of Avodah How? That I have theories about that, but that's deeper than this class and the time permits. And, uh, and furthermore, the other thing we have to understand is that all of these actions have some kind 
of a, of a, they address some kind of a deep psychological need. And that's the reason why we find them universally across cultures, across civilizations, across time uh, until today. Uh, make, making a tattoo, putting a tattoo has very deep uh, religious and psychosexual undertones. Um, when, when someone writes mommy on, on, on their shoulder, like you have this stereotypical big muscular men in movies with the word mommy uh, on, on their shoulder with a heart, uh, there is a lot that psychologists can, can learn from that and the motivations for that, that the person doing the, the tattoo obviously is not thinking about. Um, but uh, the same happens with Abu Dazara. And uh, you can see that today, how when someone wants to really, really, really show their commitment, their irrational commitment, which is a form of Abu Dazara to a certain, let's say, a soccer team or, or a celebrity or something, they'll go ahead and tattoo that name on their skin. So this started as Avodazara. This is why Harambam is bringing it in Ichot Avodazara. And it's forbidden, obviously, to tattoo yourself. But the tattoo that is forbidden is when this is something permanent inside the skin. So the person who gets Malkut is the one who is doing the tattoo, not the one who has the tattoo done on his own skin, just like we said with other actions in this chapter, because there needs to be an action. Um, sorry, uh, I'm sorry, I miss a halacha. And uh, when is the tattoo hayav? The moment that uh, he, he starts uh, mutilating, mutilating the, the body or doing something that leaves a permanent kind of color anywhere in the body, man or woman, is the same thing. However, katav velo rasham betseva, halacha yud alef, number two. Katav velo rasham betseva, a person who writes on his skin without, without uh, coloring it. O shrasham betseva velo katav bisrita, or that he, he put the color but did not do the, so katav is actually the, the, the silhouette, the outline, which would be done, for example, with a knife. And then the Rashima Betseva is when you actually fill that thing up with color. So if you do one and not the other, is patur. The Pasuk says, an outline that is then filled with, uh, with, with color. So if you do one and not the other, it's patur. And then it's what we said before. This is all that the person is hayav only when this is, this is uh, an action meaning the person who is doing the tattoo, not the person who is having the tattoo done on, on himself or herself, unless they too are helping and, and enabling and contributing it, contributing with action to the act of the tattoo. Um, scratching oneself, even one time, even having one scratch on the body, as a sign of, uh, of uh, being sorry for someone who died, as a sign of Avelut, this is an Averais. Again, Avelut. Avelut is also an area which was always intrinsically related to Avodazara. Avodazara has a very large component of worshipping death, worshipping the dead, celebrating death in one way or the other. And also, uh, this developed into rites that people would do when, when people 
when, when someone died. And as an aside, we spoke in the last chapter about superstitions being intrinsically related to Avodazara. Guess where you'll find lots of superstitions nowadays? In Olmin Hagea Velut, you will find lots of superstitions that have absolutely no basis on halacha. And I suspect this has to do with the deep, deep psychology that goes into Avelut, which is also uh, the base motivation for many Avodazara acts. So one of the Avodazara acts was to scratch oneself, uh, taking, drawing blood or not when someone died. This is something that Torah forbade. We have our own way of doing Avelut, specifically so that we don't go and do things that are what Avodazara used to do. וכשם שהיו הגויים סורטים מבשרם על מתיהם מפני הסער, כך היו חובלים בעצמם לעבוד הזרה. And just like the, the goyim used to uh, scratch themselves over the dead, the, their dead, their departed because of their pain, they also used to, 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 uh, to cause pain upon, them, upon themselves and to hit themselves and to mutilate themselves for עבוד הזרה. Again, עבוד הזרה and dead. Almost one and the same. Shneemar by Kodeduka Mishpatam, as it is said, when Eliyahu Hanavi, if you recall, at Hara Carmel had this show off against Kohani Habal, Eliyahu did a korban to Hashem and he prayed, Hachamim say he prayed Minha. And what the Goim did instead, their parallel ritual to that was to mutilate themselves and to, and to make themselves bleed, etc., etc. The Torah also forbade this kind of, uh, of self-mutilation. But for the dead, for the dead, if someone does the Sarita for the dead, then it doesn't matter what the instrumentality is, even if it's with one's own hand or, or, or I, I presume nails, um, this would be Hayav Makut. For uh, for Avodazara, it needs to be with an instrument. Uh, Avodazara is a little more defined, more uh, it, it, it's more specific, and if you don't fulfill certain elements, it's not Avodazara. Now, something very interesting, not to self-mutilate. What does that mean? Not to self-harm yourself. Hachamim learned from it something completely different, from a different context, but it also belongs to self-mutilation, to self-harm. And that is not to have two separate bate dinin in the same city, where one imposes, encourages one tradition, and the other one encourages a different tradition. This is almost self-cannibalizing. This is self-hurting. The community, Am Israel, is self-hurting by having two contradictory bate dinin in the same place. So, because this causes tremendous mahloket, this is what the Torah uh, warned against, don't self-mutilate. One more thing that's forbidden as a sign of avelut, of, of mourning, it's forbidden to shave one's head because of a mourning sign. We actually do the complete opposite, as if to not do this, we actually grow our hair when someone passes away. But, uh, and, and this is the same for Kohanim, for Israelim, they have the same prohibition. Whoever, uh, and, and this used to be like a, like a piece of, of hair, they would even do it with the hand, they would pull the hair 
it's even an expression to pull the hair as a sign of desperation of mourning so if one does this four or five times even for one person who died this would be four or five violations however he needs to have been warned about each and every one of these pulling of the hair of uh, shaving the hair uh, for him to be liable for each of these it's the same if someone is pulling the hair manually or through some chemical they used to use chemicals to 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 dissolve the hair <clears throat> This is now a very interesting case. The Gemara discusses what if someone puts all five fingers inside this chemical that has the effect of dissolving hair, and then with the hand sort of uh, uh, open, puts those five fingers separately on top of his scalp, of his hair, thereby dissolving hair in five different places. So it is five different violations. But unlike the last example, where we said if someone does five different times but was only warned once, he would only be punished once, here the warning applies to all five actions at the same time. So we can attach this same warning to each five of these areas of the hair. And therefore, the person is going to be liable five, for five different punishments. And this used to be most common in the area of the hair where the tefillin goes between the eyes, but um, every part of the hair is also, uh, is also a person would be hayav for pulling hair from there. Because the Torah says, a person may not cause this this uh, uh not remove hair from anywhere in their hair in their head the hamashi how much hair would be enough for someone to be guilty so that there is uh, enough hair removed as much as a gris gris is a is more or less the size of a nickel and and that much scalp without hair would be enough for being hayav Two last halachot of the of this section of Avodazara. And the only two things for which this act of of um, uh, removing one's hair from the head uh, is hayav is dead in Avodazara. If you do it for any other kind of loss, if your whole business was destroyed or something of the sort. These three other uh, actions we just mentioned, which are uh, tattooing or 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 uh, scratching the skin or removing the hair when both the object of the action and the actor, in other words, the one who is removing the hair, for example, and the one whose hair is being removed, if both are cooperating, cooperating, they are doing something to help this action come to be, then they, they both would be okay if they were mezidin. If uh, one of them, mezid means uh, 
wanton and willful. If, if one of them was doing this willfully and wantonly and the other one wasn't, then uh, although uh, the action seems to have needed both to, to come to effect, uh, still one of them did not know it was forbidden, the, the other one knew. So the one who knew it was forbidden is Hayav, and he doesn't depend on both of them becoming uh, being found guilty. One of them alone can be found guilty, even though the other one is found to be Shogeg. And with that, we finish Hilchot Abodazara, which I want to tell you, we just scratched the surface of, and this is one of the deepest areas of Torah one may study, especially trying to understand the underpinnings, the motivations, the psychology behind Abodazara, because as I mentioned before, Abodazara is the total antithesis of the Torah. And if one wants to understand the Misvot well, and how the misvot come to help us develop uh, spiritually and develop psychologically, one needs to understand the alternative, which is avodah zara. And with that, we finish.